Hopeless Rewind. That's why I don't have no partner. That's one thing I learned from my daddy. Your father was a podcaster? 15 years at Spotify. My daddy was also a podcaster. Your daddy was a podcaster? Not a podcaster. A podcast host. A legend all over iTunes. My daddy a legend too, all over Stitcher. My daddy once recorded 15 episodes in one night by himself. My daddy recorded 25 by himself. My daddy once saved five completed dot .wave files from his recycling bin by himself. My daddy once caught a bad audio feed with his bare hand. My daddy kicked your daddy's ass all the way from here to Syracuse, Jersey City, wherever the hell you from, and all up that Zoom call too. Hey, don't talk about my father. Don't talk about my daddy. But their daddies are a big part of the character motivations in Rush Hour. So if we can't talk about them, then why are we rewinding through 1998's Rush Hour? Because this is a pointless rewind. Welcome to Pointless Rewind, a podcast where we rewatch, rehash, and rewind our way through pop culture from our past. I'm Chandra Ravindran. I've got Anthony Ryan with me. Hello, hello. And one Eric Swerdlov. How's it going? Very well, my friend. Very well. How you guys been lately? Been okay, and and I think we took the high road, by the way. Yeah, yeah, because it's not like we didn't have to do a skit at all or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, oh, you, can't, you can't not have a skit. I know, I, mean, I know. This wouldn't be pointless rewind. Well, I mean, this movie was troubling in that uh, I was having a tough time finding any skit that was not extremely offensive if we... Because all of the iconic lines of this movie are from a black guy and an Asian guy, and it's very hard to do... They're very... Two very uh, distinguished characters with very specific inflections and tones of voices, <laughs> so it's very hard to to do these without making like actually sounding offensive. But I think I think we did a good job, guys. I think so. Yeah, bravo, bravo. Hey, how, how's being a daddy? Being a daddy is uh, is great, but don't talk about my daddy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, no, being daddy continues to be good. Uh, I uh, I just put her to sleep uh, about 20 minutes before the podcast, and my wife is a great trooper. She's going to handle waking her up in an hour and dealing with that while I record the podcast because, you know, I mean, it's all part of uh, being a deadbeat dad. So, so, I mean, uh, (laughs) that's going really well. How have you guys been? What have you been up to? Well, I I just got back from a little... uh mini vacation up in uh, the Adirondacks. That's Uh, right. Don't don't worry, guys. I took... It took all, all the necessary precautions, wore a mask. We were mostly hiking, so we were outdoors. Wait, we? Who, yeah, who'd you go with? Uh, I went with some family. Oh, geez, some family. God, that's so... Well, that's like, not as interesting. Yeah, I thought, this was, I thought you were going to go in a big group of like 80 people who were going to get outed on social media for, uh, <laughs> for breaking quarantine. And all. But uh, what, what'd you actually, where'd you go? Um, stayed in Lake Placid, went to the... Top of Whiteface Mountain, hiked up a mountain called Mount Arab. There's a pretty cool fire tower at the top there. You could uh, go to the top of, and it's a beautiful view of the whole area. We went to Ossible Chasm, High Falls Gorge, and uh, I think a few other trails here and there. It's so that sounds awesome, and it's depressing me because my anniversary is on Friday, and the last vacation we went on was our last anniversary, which happened to be to Lake Placid as well. And so this is bringing back memories of... Way to rub it in, Eric. I know. Oh, uh, also, a uh, shameless plug, but uh, if anyone wants to see any pictures from the trip, go to my Instagram. Which is? Uh, it's uh, Eric Sverdloff. It's in the show notes. It's oh, always okay. in the show notes, man. Anthony, geez, way to not read the show notes. 
I just, the, I just speak, man. That's that's all right. I'm pretty sure Eric has not even listened to our podcast yet. So. <laughs> not once. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all right. Hey, so I've been going around Jersey City a lot with yeah. uh, my newly acquired electric scooter. Very cool. Ooh, you got That's it. right. I'll tell you what. So I live in Jersey City. You know, it's uh, the downtown area. There's a lot of cool areas, waterfront, different yeah. parks, downtown, like the actual, you know, yeah. the strip where all the restaurants and bars are. And we live in like the bottom corner, my yeah. wife and I. So uh, the thing is like, we like to go out and go for walks, but it's always around the same like like quarter mile yeah. radius. Yeah. Uh, so this, and so, so I'm there's that, places that… a scooter also? I was gonna, well, so we, I decided to get one scooter and we uh, would uh, just take turns. And it's and she's really loved it. So the the other day, I think it was oh, you guys are like you'll walk while she rides yeah, and yeah. vice versa. That's cool. Vice versa. The other day, I I rented one of the city bikes. Yeah, and we went all the way up to almost Hoboken. Like we would never normally now walk. That's, Damn, that, that's got to be a forty five minute walk from your apartment. Potentially, I mean, it's maybe a little. It depends how fast you walk, but it's just like you know, like a pain in the ass. And with the bike and the electric scooter, we went, we're up there in like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah. It was so fast and it was, it just opens up the entire city to you. So uh, I think having it is really important, especially now, because then we can just diversify where we go out and yeah. walk around. So that sounds cool. Yeah, cool. Another one. It sounds yeah. cool. When you sent me the picture of it, I had no reaction because I didn't know the background on all of it. But now, yeah, thanks, friend. No, I mean, I'm not a good friend. That's part of my shtick a deadbeat dad and terrible friend. But uh, so today we are talking about 1998's Rush Hour. Now this is a this is a choice from Anthony. So why don't we kick it off with you uh, talking about where, like, when you first saw the movie, what's your history with it, and why why you wanted to watch it again, and I guess if your opinion changed. I don't think I actually saw it in the theater, but I had always been a martial arts fan uh, when I was a kid, and then. Uh, I try to watch. I try to rent the, uh, as much as many Jackie Chan movies as I could from the local video store. Were Were you a Bruce Lee guy or or more the Jackie Chan era? Not necessarily because Jackie Chan's style is different. It's the, there's the humor aspect. Yeah, that's, that's what separates. Right, him I mean, and Bruce, Bruce Lee, Lee was brooding. Yeah, so I always liked that entertainment factor from Jackie Chan. It was so unique because you didn't see that style of humor in U.S. television or and movies. Yeah. Much and he's, so, he's still quite talented when it comes to the actual martial arts. Extremely, and you know, I mean, it's it's so interesting because he's he had been doing this for many years before he finally breaking through in America. I mean, he was already in his forties by that point. Oh, and he he hurts himself in literally every movie and just right. keeps going. Hence the outtakes. But yeah, back to my uh, my history with it. So I've seen it a bunch of times. This is one of the few movies that I've actually seen at least five times, six times through. So uh, yeah, this what what I like about this movie is that. Uh, as a fan of Jackie Chan, this was his big U.S. breakthrough, his blockbuster, Hollywood blockbuster crossover, if you will. So I, I guess Drunken Master was long before he came to the U.S. Very, very long ago. And this was like U.S. production, uh, American directed. Uh, and what, a, what uh, about Rumble in the Bronx? That was released in the U.S., but it was still like a Hong was Kong it, produced. Wasn't he dubbed? Like his English yeah, was dubbed? Too. So this yeah. was his the first movie where he actually was not dubbed. Got it. The first one where he's actually speaking English. He's speaking the lines, and I think I, the the director even like encouraged him. Yeah, to, to I heard. Do that. I heard he was self conscious and didn't want to. Yeah, I think he still is self conscious yeah. about how how he speaks in this movie. Yeah, but yeah, I just I found the action 
like like really good. Uh, there were some like uh, references to his older movies, like in terms of using the same stunts, same style jokes. Uh, was it as good as his old stuff? Probably not. But the fact that I'm a fan of his, it sort of is like a proud moment uh, as a fan because it's what basically put him in the spotlight and now so many people know who he is. So Anthony, what'd you, like, did your opinion of the movie change in this go around? Actually, I don't think so. Not this go around. I think it was still as entertaining as it's always been. Obviously, there's parts where I'm like, okay, this is kind of cheesy or, um, you know, there's like some plot holes and stuff. But I think uh, overall, I was still as thoroughly entertained as I was when I watched it when I was younger. How about you guys? Okay, so this movie was on TV literally all the time. I, obviously, they cut a lot of lines on TV, but it's um, it's a fun, I don't know if you'd call it a buddy cop comedy or it's, uh, you know, the confusing thing about this movie is, it, at least the way I see it, it can't make up its mind if it's trying to be a comedy or an action movie. It keeps sort of jumping back and forth. And while it's enjoyable, you don't get a great action movie and you don't get a great comedy. Um, I love watching Jackie Chan's stunts, though. You know, the, yeah. that guy is just skilled. Um, and... You know, Chris Tucker's funny, but he's had better roles. Uh, I, I think his best role is uh, playing Ruby Rod in The Fifth Element. Uh, Eric, you basically s- said what I would have said even better than I could have said it. But uh, has your opinion changed at all about the movie on this rewatch? Or has it stayed about the same? No, it's pretty much exactly the same. You know, like I said, it's um, in my mind, it's not a great movie, but I enjoy watching it. So we'll, we'll finish with me. So I... I remember I saw the second one in theaters and I vividly remember uh, him, Jackie Chan, like clambering up like some, uh, like some building at the, in one of the early action scenes. Um, but I thought I hadn't seen this one at all because I just didn't remember it. As I was rewatching it, seeing, like there were scenes that jumped out at me as, oh, I've definitely seen this. Like when Su Yun is singing in the car and then like the, uh, the final scene definitely like with uh, Jackie Chan hanging and uh, screaming for Carter to help him. Definitely remember that. Kind of like what Eric was saying about the balancing act of the movie. I actually think the action was almost completely subdued. Like I, I came in expecting a lot more elaborate stunt work, and the stunts were elaborate, but I felt like the action scenes were like kind of you know, like the car and, blows up at the beginning, and that's that's the yeah. biggest action. Well, and and that's the intro to the movie. But like I, I don't know. I expected like uh, just a lot more action and maybe that's it's kind of a shallow way of looking at it but uh but, but again it's as, more as, i think it's more of a comedy yeah, yeah so and well the reason for that is because this is supposed to be like his hollywood breakthrough and they they can't let him have his free reign that he normally has with his movies like i i literally just got finished watching police story from 1985 and it's one of his earlier uh films one of his most seminal works uh, people regard that as one of the best movies that he's ever been a part of. And w- upon watching it, the action scenes and how they filmed it is is completely different than how the Hollywood films it. So as you know, with action movies, every time you watch like a fight scene or, you know, an action scene, there's so many quick cuts. Uh, you don't even see the actual punch. You don't, you know, you know it, it, it can be kind of confusing. Which and, I think we talked about a little bit last time. We did, yeah, about uh, Die Hard, I believe. Yeah. So when I was watching Police Story, you could, it, it was more about the choreography, not about like 
making you think something's happening, but it was actually happening. Like you're yeah. actually like, watching the fight, almost like you're watching the UFC. Yeah, like everything is choreographed. Do you from, think Rush Hour was not like that? I think it was, uh, no, I think it. they tried to do it, but it was definitely tame, more, more tame than his typical work. So, and I don't think that's Jackie Chan's fault. I put that on the responsibility on Brett Ratner's shoulders, the director. I agree with that. That's yeah. the director's I, job. Yeah. I, uh, so in general, I enjoyed the movie. Like, uh, so it's fast paced. It's short enough. Like it doesn't overstay its welcome. I think it's genuinely funny at parts and <clears throat> both Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker are both enjoyable to different extents throughout the movie. Um, like I really like their banter, you know, which enjoy their chemistry and I, just, you know, movie was enjoyable, but sir, I just, I guess I, I was expecting, I guess, more elaborate action scenes versus it felt very much like, okay, let's have a scene where Jackie Chan does some really cool stunts, but they're very obviously in there just to uh, be like, oh, Jackie Chan does his own stunts, which are impressive and I'm glad they're in there, but uh, it rang a little hollow for me, but um, still good movie. Um, but we'll get more into my in-depth th- thoughts as uh, as we go. So let's get started on the on the nitty gritty of this movie. Let's start with the plot because I feel like the plot is going to take us like a minute. So <laughs> <laughs> there, there is not much plot. I mean, yeah. there's one plot twist in the movie, which after you've seen it the first time, it, it you know maybe, uh, maybe I, I can't remember seeing this for the first time. So maybe the first time I you, thought that was cool, but. Are you, are you talking about uh, who the, the identity of Jun Tao? Yes. So watching yeah. this two weeks ago for the first time in 20 years or so, the f- scene where the council, council, Councilor Han is talking, Councilor Han. Han is talking with the British guy. I'm like, why is there a 30 second scene of this? That guy's the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of obvious uh, and it's been done so many times yes. before. Yes. But I don't think the story is really trying to be anything like unique or new. I think it's the movie is just basically trying to prop up Jackie Chan and Chris well, Tucker at the, stars. At the end of the day, this movie is a comedy based on um, two people from different cultures yeah. meeting. And I'm saying cultures rather than race because it's not really racial humor. It's it's cultural humor. Jackie yeah. Chan is from China in the movie, and in real life, he's from China. And he comes here, and he doesn't speak the language very well. And he gets stuck with this hot-headed American, where you know customs are very different here, and it's it's just making fun of sort of the you know the two cultures coming together and not understanding each other, and then getting along well at the end of the movie. Yeah, and I I agree. Like I may have mentioned, like this movie like trying to figure out a skit would have made us sound like really racist, but the, I don't think the movie was actually racist. The movies it could be insensitive at points, but I mean, it wasn't like, uh, there was nothing in there that was like cringeworthy. It was just, I mean, maybe that one scene in the bar, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, uh, mild misogyny yeah. as well. Oh, misogyny. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. You know, what's interesting about the humor, uh, is that yes, they are. It is a, an Asian lead, a Southeast Asian, a Chinese lead, let's be specific, and uh, a black American. And the humor, I think, really targets those specific uh, races. Yeah, like like people who are black and enjoy Chris Tucker's humor will enjoy his character. And the people who are Chinese and just like other Asian descents, I think they're going to really enjoy like Jackie Chan sort of like, you know, being that lead character that we've never really had. 
Right. And you're not laughing at the characters because of racial stereotypes or their race. You're laughing at yeah. them because they're doing funny things. They're fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, and they're even making fun of like themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, I made fun of that there's barely any plot to this movie. But what Eric was saying, where that's not what the movie, or I think it was, maybe it was Anthony, but just like, that's not the purpose of this movie. And that's exactly right. The purpose of the movie is to get these two guys together, let them play off each other, let them let loose with their their banter and their just their contrasting styles. And that's where, you know, the enjoyment, at least for me, the enjoyment of the movie comes from. So like, yeah, so the plot of the movie, as Anthony said, it's been done to death. I caught the twist immediately and I'm one of the least perceptive people I've ever met. <laughs> but uh, the plot sucked. But one thing I will give Brett Radner props for, or maybe it's the screenwriter, is that the plot points, like when Councilor Hahn is talking to like the bad guys and like about the about the ransom or any of that stuff, it's all like quick one minute scenes. There's not they don't devote any more time than it's, it's not just, like Die Hard with the Vengeance. Yeah, it's where, this where is, there's some serious, you know, like ransom demands. And yeah, no, this is jump through hoops and stuff, or, or is, even um, even speed. No, yeah, this is legit. Let's just get a framework in place for Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker to to do their thing, and then let's let them do their thing. So, I think uh, I think we've talked about the plot enough because, as we said, there wasn't much, but uh, <laughs> not necessarily a bad thing. But let's uh, let's get to the characters now, and I'll let Anthony lead this off again. Let's let's talk about uh, let's just talk about the man of the hour. Uh, that would be uh, C. Ma as Counselor Han. <laughs> Sai. Sai Ma, damn it. Uh, I not actually think he did a good job. <laughs> I, are, are we really leading off with him? We can. I mean, we're going to talk about it really quick. <laughs> I Look, he, he, did, he did as good of a job as he could have as the concerned father. And uh, I think he, like, you know Jackie's character, Lee, wants to do his best by him because he seems very respectable. Yeah. And uh, he wants to do the right thing. This, uh, the console does. And, you know, he gets screwed over as uh, freaking Jun Tao. Uh, like, my, my take, he comes off as a good guy, but it's just, um, other than that, you can tell he cares about his daughter. They, they don't really have much of a relationship. Like yeah. Jackie Chan, I feel, like has a closer relationship with his daughter. Yeah, she, she keeps punching him in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I thought uh, Saima is his name, Anthony. Is that how you pronounce it? I believe so. Okay. Well, so he did a really good job. I liked him. He just, I mean, his character is something of a nothing. Like, as in, he's just there to serviceably move the plot along, as in his daughter needs to be kidnapped. But uh, I just, it's one of the things, it's one of the few things about the movie that bothers me is all those little moments with his daughter. Like, well, all those little moments, there's only two moments between him and his daughter, and they're, they amount to about a minute of screen time. And it just feels like, this is so forced. Can we, like, let's get to the... Let's get back to uh, Jackie and Chris Tucker, but uh, yeah, again, I think they just needed those yeah. scenes just to establish what's happening here. Yeah, but uh, all right, let's get to the real man of the hour. That would be Jackie Chan as Lee. Does he even have? Is that his first name, or does he have a last Inspector name? Inspector Lee. Inspector is his first name. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> very, very traditional name. <laughs> I think he. This is actually acting wise. He does such a good job in this movie. I think he he carries the movie, in my opinion, because I think he shows. Like the serious side, yeah. Because Carter is nonstop, just like 
playing around. Yeah. And as much as he was worried about how he spoke English, I thought he did a great job with that. I mean, obviously there's outtakes and he must have done it a bunch of times, but... I, I mean, uh, his English is better than Schwarzenegger's first few movies. No, and he was... I, I mean, I get him being self-conscious. I know a lot of foreigners are self-conscious. Like, I have family members who are self-conscious, but he did it, like... There's not one moment where you can't understand what he's saying. Like, he's, he's good. What's unfortunate is that because it is his Hollywood debut is that he, I think he, he made a lot of strides in his Hong Kong movies with not just the action scenes, yeah. but his acting. And he became more of like a like that serious side of him. Yeah. Um, yes, you saw that in this movie, but I think he can do an even better job of like that serious role. But then again, that's not what this movie is. Yeah, and I think he tried to tap into that later on in his Hollywood career. Like, uh, he Definitely wanted to did, get yeah. away from the, like the more jokey nature. But um, and that's a good point, though, because English is not his first language. Even if he was making strides in his dramatic acting in Hong Kong, um, it's got to be much tougher to tap into that when you're speaking a language that's you know not second nature to you. Yeah, so, that's for sure. But uh, so I I think you know Lee is my favorite character in the movie. I think Jackie Chan does a great job. He's you know he's the beating heart of the movie. He's got the serious. He's got a couple of the serious moments, but he, his his style of humor is like. You know, it speaks to me like as in he's just it's super goofy and lame in a fun way. And like it just he's so lovable. I just want to squeeze him while watching the movie. Although he I mean, probably you can have, tell he's having fun while making these movies. Yes. And that is a good point about this movie is you could tell they're all having a great, a great time making the movie. But uh, Lee is, you know, Lee's great. Like I, mean, I talked about the action scenes not being super elaborate, but still Jackie Chan's. Uh, Stunt work and his martial arts are the highlight of the movie for me. Uh, it's, particularly, it's almost um, like I feel like he can take up parkour without even trying. Oh yeah, definitely. Like the way he gets over that wall, it's pretty amazing. And like the opening scene when he uh, when he avoids getting crushed by that uh, metal bin, which I heard he almost died in that scene. But then again, he almost died in probably every scene in, in this every movie. movie. Yeah. So, but uh, I thought he was good. The one thing I did not like about his character and it's part of the fast pace of this movie. It's part of the movie not being like super serious on plot or any of that. It made no sense to me that he was so quick to uh, be friendly to Carter. Like it didn't, like Carter was being kind of a jackass to him early on in the movie. And then Lee tries to escape and then, you know, he escapes by hanging on the side. I think he realized that the FBI guys were a bigger enemy. Yeah, that's what he probably realized, but that's not articul- That's not shown at all, or even implied. It's literally he he's like pissed off at Carter. Like he gets handcuffed to a car by Carter, gets to the council's house, and then he, Carter comes in, and then Jackie Chan's suddenly uh, defending him. Which I was like rolling my eyes, rolling my eyes slightly because I'm like, ah, I mean, the movie's trying to get them all buddy buddy, which is the whole point of the movie. So. Eric, what's your take on uh, on Lee? I, I enjoy the character. I mean, I'd say he's the most memorable character in the movie. Um, I I think a problem with this movie is none of the characters are that well developed. That's a good point. You know, they because just sort of throw them together and stuff exa- happens. That's that's. Wait, so Eric, when I said that uh, the whole how he trusted Carter so quickly, you then rebutted that by saying he doesn't trust the FBI. But then you went ahead and made my point about how these characters. <laughs> thrown together but uh well no i was just saying like they lead you to that conclusion like it's it's sort yeah. of obvious that that's why he why he defended yeah. carter because he realized carter was his only chance of actually getting anywhere in this case because he realized that the fbi was trying to you know stuff yeah. him in the closet and forget about him 
And I, I guess the, that gives, brings me to one of my points, though. Like, um, so Jackie, Ch- like Lee is the character who's the most serious in the movie. He has the serious emotional beats. But I will say none of the emotional beats actually landed for me, like, because it does feel like it feels like a very safe movie in that nothing's actually going to happen. You know, like, you know, the girl's going to get rescued. This is all just a vessel to get these guys in the scenes together. So that stuff didn't work for me. But I, I do really dislike the what's up ma bleep scene. <laughs> like, I, I feel like that just makes him look bad. Like, it makes him look like an imbecile, which Carter, I mean, Lee is not an imbecile throughout the movie other than in that scene. Like, he comes off looking really foolish and screwball and it's just like, I mean, I guess it's a decent action, action scene, but it's, it's not my it's a, favorite moment for him. It's, it's, a, it's a touchy moment because if you see it in one way, it's hilarious. Yeah. If you look at it from another lens, it's offensive. Wait, which way would uh, it be hilarious in? Well, if you are looking at it from, let's say, like a black perspective, yeah. hearing him say that and getting his ass beat yeah. because of it, because he doesn't even realize he, he's, get, he's doing this, but, I think you can find humor in that. So... That was one of my problems, though. He doesn't get his ass beat. He kicks their asses. Like That's a good point. It's like, I mean, he makes the inadvertent racist joke, and then he does like that. So I don't think it makes him unlikable. I just think it's a weird, it's, a, it's like a cheap laugh that they were going for, and it just makes me, for one moment, dislike where they took his character. And it's not even anything about his character. It's literally, they put it in the script for a laugh and to get yeah, an I mean, action scene. It doesn't match the character for sure, yeah. I think. Because he tries to remain, you know, yeah, this, he's, this calm, cool, and collected guy. Oh, and uh, so my favorite scene in the movie is when they start singing. What is the song? Is, is war. Just, war. Yeah, War. When they start singing War, because that's where they're both at their most likable. However, he he's so focused on getting Sue Young saved, but then he's like, fuck it, let's start singing and like and just like freestyling in the streets. <laughs> that scene is almost sort of forced. <laughs> but it's still my favorite scene in the movie. But that's kind of where the dichotomy of this movie it's not like super well made but like all the cheap like ploys that they do somehow work on me so yeah all all the different gags and and the moments uh, of comedy I think that's what really this movie is you you, you watch it for those moments of you know, hysteria. Yeah, no, and I mean, it's a good point. Like, not, not every like, movie needs to be... You're, you're not watching it for the plot, and you're not watching it for the action. Yeah, not, not every movie needs to be a deep uh, meditation on, I don't know, Indiana Jones, like, kidnapping Willie Scott and absconding with her to India. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's move on to the... Oh, I guess I'll call him the man of the hour also. Chris Tucker as... as uh, I think his name is James Carter in the movie. Like, his full yes, name is James is. Carter. James Carter, yeah. But, uh... Let me, I'll start off on him. So I think he's hilarious. Like some of his jokes are like when he says, like, even my mom is like pissed at me for being in the LAPD and tells everyone I'm a drug dealer. I was laughing hysterically. (laughs) All of his fast talking anyone, like when he's uh, talking to the stewardess. He has a very good delivery. Yes. When he's talking to the stewardess and telling her to uh, get the, get the pilot to check the alternator. I'm just like, what the hell is this? This is hilarious. Like his, his lines are great. My problem with him is his character is just an asshole in the first like 30 minutes of the movie. And I don't find him likable at all until like almost halfway through the movie. I just think, and maybe it's because I've worked with completely selfish, like entitled douchebags at work. But when I hear someone being like, I don't need a partner. Like I'm a lone gunman. Like I just do my own thing. I'm just like, 
Fuck you, man. Now, here's, here's a little theory for you. And this, this is probably just me making this up. I don't know if this was actually the intent, but maybe, maybe they're trying to get you to see him as Jackie Chan would see him at the beginning of the movie. Maybe. I mean, and like, as maybe that, that's actually more depth than I gave this movie credit for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and that's why I think it's just my theory and it was not intentional. <laughs> Bre- Brett Ratner is the fourth member of this Zoom call. Is probably like, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, you're talking about how he's an asshole in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And did you also notice uh, in the beginning of the movie how the it seemed like two different movies like merging yes. over time? So you had the serious case with, uh, you know, uh, Inspector Lee yeah. and the daughter uh, getting kicked out. And then like, it would cut away to uh, a Carter yeah. uh, scene. Him just, you know, being this, uh, you know, entitled douchebag yeah. cop. To Not his, a like, very good undercover. He can have it. <laughs> oh, he's terrible at being undercover. But <laughs> he's a uniformed yeah. officer. But, but, but he's like, he's, he's bringing like the hilarity the to it right away. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And like, like I said, he was, he's the funniest part of the movie. I mean, he, when he steal when he's at towards the end of the movie where the guy's got a gun and he, he's, he, uh, he, uh, steal, he disarms him and has a gun and then he just goes, ha! It's like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But I just, I feel like the, they went so far in making him just like, so almost naively unlikable. Like, like when he's like, when, when, you know, his, uh, his captain like assigns him to the FBI as like, you know, almost like a screw you to him. And he doesn't realize it. His naivety is almost like annoying in that part when he's like grandstanding and putting his arm around like the FBI guys, like he's taking control. I'm just like, man, would you shut the fuck up, man? <laughs> but also since, since you mentioned the FBI guys, they, they sort of took a cue from Die Hard in that they were your typical, uh, G men useless. Well, they they did except they forgot to they forgot to gather any sort of personality whatsoever. So they took <laughs> they took some of the lessons from Die Hard, but they may have taken them from the fifth movie. I don't even remember the fifth one. So I think we've talked about the fifth Die Hard on like five of our podcast episodes. <laughs> but um, so uh, Eric, what do you think about Carter? Look, he he works for the movie. Chris Tucker's funny. I don't think it's his funniest role, but you know I definitely laughed a few times. I, I like when he. Uh, pulls up in a tow truck to the consulate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did you find him likable? Well, well, he's clearly annoying in the beginning of the movie, but they, you know, it's as he bonds with Jackie Chan, he becomes likable. Yes, that you, know, I mean, you know, even um, oh, what was what was the uh, the female the bomb squad girl's name? Johnson. 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 Like he's a complete dick to her, but she comes around <laughs> to him at the end. Like he. She, you know, he redeems himself. She comes around to him because he uses the words, it's all about the little girl now. And that's all that, that sold her. But uh, uh, that, that apparently also sells the C4 guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like the C4 guy. Yeah, that guy. That guy was no, like, oh, man. Name. I don't remember. <laughs> Did you know that was Chris Penn's brother or Sean Penn's brother? Really? It was Chris. That it was Chris Penn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, who, who unfortunately passed away, but uh, he is Sean Penn's younger brother. Anthony, what did you think about Carter? I thought he was hilarious, like you said. And I think because I've seen it a lot now, uh, knowing that he and Inspector Lee are partners in crime, uh, I almost look past him being annoying in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Because I know that they're eventually going to, uh, you know, work together. And I think that kind of humor of his, you, you can, I mean, he's pretty consistent with, with his 
an, what some might uh, think is annoying, what I think is just, you know, pretty hilarious because a lot of the stuff too, he's just making up oh, yeah. off the top of his head. I, so I guess the first 30 minutes or so when he's like by himself or when he's at first antagonistic with Jackie Chan, I find him annoying as hell. I think once they bond, that's when I start liking Carter because at that point, it's like, it's a, it's less in a vacuum and it's more viewed through like the lens of them just like, you know, bantering back and forth. And like, again, I think he's hilarious, especially, you know, tour, from the middle, midpoint of the movie to the end. Like when uh, the scene at the, uh, the Chinese, like the, the takeout place where he's asking for, for, wait, what did he not want? He didn't eel, wasn't it? Yeah, he wanted eel, but like when the guy's like, this is, this is soul food and they're just going back and forth about I no, know. he didn't want eel. I think he was given eel. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. A punk bitch, yeah, yeah, I ain't no punk bitch. They're both like it's so, like such good delivery. I mean, I I find him super. That guy was actually that, that guy's a gem. That yeah, guy, that uh, <laughs> the chef guy. So like once we get to like these almost like over exaggerated conversations, like back and forth between characters, I enjoy it. But when it's like this real world stuff early on with oh I don't like having a partner. Oh I'm I play by my own rules. I'm just like. Other movies have done this better with making their characters less annoying. So it's just a slight hurdle that he had to had a leap over. But eventually, is it worth the wait though for you? I mean, the movie the movie moves so breezily that I I just like sort of roll my eyes and then get to his good parts, and it is worth the wait because uh, once he and Jackie Chan are on you know friends again or friends for the first time, that's the movie is legitimately enjoyable. So it's worth the wait. So let's talk about. Uh, some of the minor characters really quick. Let's talk about Johnson played by the late Elizabeth Pena. So I have one, well, couple comments about her, mostly that whatever Carter's misogynistic towards her, whatever it's, it's his style of humor, whatever. My, my biggest comment about it is her is like, all right. So we had that one minute scene of her uh, trying to diffuse that bomb in the middle of the movie. And when I was watching, I'm like, Oh, there's going to be a bomb at the end of this movie, isn't there? There's, there has to be. There's no reason why this isn't going to be there. So, well, we get, you know, like we talked about, every, everything in this movie is sort of obvious. Yeah, but when we well, get why, to that, why else would you have someone on the bomb squad? But I thought that she would be like, you know, I was, I guess the movie was unpredictable in that I predicted that she would like save the day with like using her guile and her fortitude and her knowledge, but she fucking does like. Roses are ri- red, violets are blue, and she guesses at random and cuts the wire and saves the day. And I was like, that was the resolution of her character arc? <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you mean. I mean, like, all that development was for nothing. Yeah. And, her, and the, the very little development there was. Yeah. Well, uh, but, if you remember, she failed the test. She blamed it on Carter interrupting her. She failed the test, so that should have foreshadowed the end of the movie where, <laughs> where Sue Young blows up. <laughs> oh man, if we got one, the we could have gotten one final laugh in the movie where Sue Young's like dismembered arm comes flying out and hits Jackie Chan in the crotch, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> just just like old times," <laughs> and starts to, and then fades out with Mariah Carey. <laughs> but uh, I guess uh, if anyone, do we have anything else to say about her, or can we move on to the? Uh, the real, the you know, the one of the greatest villains in cinematic history, uh, Tom Wilkinson as I keep forgetting it's Jun Tao. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to talk about uh, Kenneth. Uh, Wong. Oh, Ken yeah, Ken Jeong as is that how you pronounce his name? Ken Lung. Isn't he? Lung? Isn't he uh, Jackie Chan's like stunt double or stunt coordinator or something? So that guy, uh, believe it or not, he was in the show Lost. 
Was he really? You guys ever watched? I it? did, but yeah. uh, I did not. He was Miles. I only watched one season, but uh, okay. obviously that was after this movie. Yes, definitely after the movie. I thought. Okay, so let, we'll talk. Let's talk about that guy. Right. So I believe his name is San, right? Yeah. So his his name is San, and he in the beginning you think he's the the bad guy when you don't know who because, Juntao is. Right, and and you're almost kind of confused because you think maybe is he Juntao? Yeah. Turns but, out uh, he's yeah, the head henchman. Right, and in the beginning he seems like this. This pretty like unbeatable bad guy yeah. uh, who has a little more self control. By the end of the movie, he is just firing a machine gun in every single direction, <laughs> and he cannot control his aim whatsoever. <laughs> I found that kind of disappointing because I wanted him to be sort of like he the big have, boss. He should have had a final fight with Lee, right? So I mean, that's that's what you you typically expect from uh, kung fu movies. Yeah. Again, not a big an action battle. movie. But right, so it's trying to be an action movie. It, like it feels like it, like limp. I mean, it is in, in yeah. all like Hollywood uh, description. It is a an action movie, yeah. but it's not a Jackie Chan, yeah. a typical Jackie Chan movie, yeah. and it's not a, like a like a uh, like a Die Hard type of yeah. action. And so I'll talk a little about San. Is his name? So Anthony, you mentioned that like at first you think he's the main villain. Well, again. Right when I saw Tom Wilkinson's character, I'm like, that's the main bad guy. So <laughs> I was like the entire movie, I'm just like, you know, I wasn't really expecting much from this guy. But like, yeah, he play he's playing a you know, he's supposed to be like this indomitable force. Like you feel like, oh, he's gonna like kick everyone's ass. But when Su Young is kidnapped, she managed to escape briefly from him for no reason other than he decides to be incompetent in that moment. Although he does name drop the movie, which I give him props for. But uh, then when they when he blows up all the the SWAT team in that building midway through the movie, he does the classic mo- move of let's walk on out in the open while everyone's around and then just casually stroll away. And I was like, ah, oh, man, come on, you're not you're not showing me anything here, man. And, and the, like literally, I he kept botching things. At least like he would move the plot along by being incompetent. Like so, then when Carter shows up at. Uh, at the restaurant up to his, you know, to their meeting room, he's still got the video screen up with Juntao on it so that Carter can identify him later. Like, dude, put the shit away. You know, you're going to bring him in. Like (laughs) he was definitely careless. And then of course, spray and pray at the end, doesn't get into a fight with Lee and then gets, uh, well, killed by Carter in a blaze of craptitude. But, uh, (laughs) Eric, any thoughts on him or, he is a pretty good henchman. I mean, he's not a main villain. He's a henchman. I did like his fight with Jackie Chan with the axe, though. I thought that was the first good, really good, like, action scene that felt like it had any actual, like, uh, weight to it. Like, the ones before that felt more goofy in nature because they're just, like, I felt like uh, the early ones, like the one in the bar that we talked about earlier and then the one with the steering wheel, they were fun, but they weren't, like, this was the first one that was really, like, actually, like, Felt like, like was their characters are in danger. Yeah, so that was good. Um, just he could have had a better ending. So let's talk Tom Wilkinson as uh, Juntao. Generic as hell. So yeah. generic. It's a stereotypical yeah. cocky asshole villain. Yeah. Is it me or, or the people who always turn are are English? <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, that, maybe that's what set off my uh, my spider sense at the beginning. Because um, yeah, like when he was talking in a British accent with. Uh, Counselor Han, I'm like, what, what the hell's the reason? Why is this guy here? Oh, he's got. Well, well uh, you're, you're forgetting that it, 
the movie takes place when um, Britain handed off their colony of Hong Kong to mainland China. Forgetting that because the movie does a piss poor job of explaining that. It's so quickly well, had, glossed had over. Had you watched the movie in 1998, like a year after that it just happened, it would have made sense. Right. It was timely. But even still, not everyone's a history buff or watching the news at the time. Yeah. So I think they could have done a better job of maybe fleshing that out to make that more feel more like there is something being taken away from Jun Tao that he really wants to get, you know, get his money. Yeah. He has like a minute and a half, like a minute motive rant in the convention center once he's revealed to everyone. And he's literally explaining his, his, uh, motivations but it's just like okay the movie needed this because otherwise we'd have no idea why this guy is doing this but yeah, yeah. but uh my favorite moment with him is when he's up in the uh the i guess the rafters and uh lee is trying to get to him and he loses all control and starts smashing him with his briefcase of money and then when the <laughs> briefcase opens up he goes ah but then rather than like just be upset over losing the money. He launches himself over the railing and falls and is now dangling. To, like, like, wait, your briefcase opened. Why did you lose all control of your motor functions? Because <laughs> that's, that's why he, this is the, the, why he's doing this. Yeah, so he's losing all of that. He gave up at that moment. He, his body just like gave up all control. His body gave up and then launched itself over the railing. <laughs> but a uh, classic villain on the level of Hans Gruber, I think. But, uh, and also, this is the second straight movie where the villain dies in the same manner, falling down. <laughs> yeah, that's falling. a good point there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll do a separate podcast comparing the two deaths. So, <laughs> in death. Yeah, in death. And look at their deaths. Good job. Yeah, in death. Good ones, guys. Um, so let's get off the characters now. Let's, uh, let's get to the action scene specifically. Um, so I guess, which, which action scenes were your favorites? We'll start with you, Eric, on this one. I really like the fight in the restaurant. I, I think Jackie Chan really shows off his skills there. It's it's when you actually feel like the two might be in some danger. They they throw some comedy in there. Yeah. Now, that's my favorite one, too. He's got the the serving platter that he's throwing, the all the moves with the ch- the, the love seat, and uh, both him and Carter, like, tossing the gun back and forth. That is, that's my favorite action scene, too. Got the chase through the uh, through the kitchen, what my uh i really feel like the direction let this movie down though like i just could i felt like there could have been more to these scenes it just felt really boring like not boring it just it just felt uh innocuous very uh mundane like i actually thought it was just like it was easy to tell what was happening but it was just like shot very like with very generic camera angles and very like it felt very stagnant to me well, I, I think part of the problem is it's trying to be both a Jackie Chan movie and a Hollywood blockbuster, yeah. where if it was 100% truly a Jackie Chan style movie, yeah, it would be so different from what American viewers are used to. And I don't think it would they would be able to sell it in the same way. You know, they could probably Does do it, that a few years later, but they got to warm him up to American audiences. Exactly. So that that's the thing. It's, it's his... Uh, debut as like a Hollywood star. So I think it does uh, affect the movie negatively because you get the glimpses of what it could be, but it, it like to what you said, it isn't to the level that you think it could be. Yeah. And, but half the thing is as a Jackie Chan fan, 
you are just happy to see him on screen. Yeah. And you're happy to see those uh, little bits of action. Uh, that scene that you talked about in the restaurant uh, where he's getting involved, like all the pieces of furniture. Yeah. that and, and, you know, the little bits of comedy inter, uh, you know, twined with the action. That is quintessential Jackie Chan. Yeah. So that little bit satiates you until the next fight scene. Oh, let me mention, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the climax, but I do love the part with uh, the trying to protect the vase. And uh, that's great. A great mixture of physical comedy, incredible facial expressions from Jackie Chan and stunt work. Like I, that, again, that's, that's his, some of his trademarks yeah. is that physical comedy, uh, the facial expressions. At one point he even like, I think it was in the, the, the billiard scene yeah. where he hurts, he hurts his hand yeah. and he does the, the, the shake <sighs> yeah. that he does it every movie. Yeah. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Huh. Maybe you should recommend an earlier one or one of his. Yeah. So, like, like I said, I watched Police Story before this. That's a great movie to watch, yeah. and it gives you a better idea. I mean, that the opening scene, uh, the opening action scene is just incredible. Yeah. And I was like, they actually did this. Like, nothing was CGI. Nothing was you know cut. It was like one rolling scene. It was crazy. But this, as I was saying, it's just you're sort of just happy to see him on screen yeah. and finally like seeing other people getting to know Jackie yeah. Chan. Well, no, I mean, he, he has a, a very specific style, which he still gets to display a little bit in this movie. You know, he's, yeah. um, there's various martial artists. Yeah. They all have their own style. Jackie Chan's is throwing a little bit of comedy in there. It's, it is interesting. You guys, I think Anthony mentioned Bruce Lee and uh, I was reading that Jackie Chan, it was a big inspiration for Jackie Chan except he did want to distance himself from that sort of solemn, dour... I I will say, I I would have loved to see a big end fight. And I know you had mentioned this before, but I would have loved to see a big end fight like at the end of Way of the Dragon or something like that, where they're in the Coliseum and it's Bruce Lee versus Chuck Norris. Well, That's kind of where, like, when when you say that... uh, that it's his first introduction, it's his introduction to American, like American audiences. But America, like, I feel like American audiences were familiar with action movies. Do you think they just weren't, wouldn't be accepting of like an Asian action star in like a primary role that's, or? That's interesting. I think that's part of it, but it's also. Kung Fu was like the Kung Fu style movies were huge in the seventies and even into the eighties. Yeah. I mean, like. Well, it, it was, it was sort of like a balancing act because Jackie Chan had already been hugely famous in China and he tried to break in a couple times into the US market like in the early 80s and didn't work out so this might have been his last chance to uh, cross over yeah and so that's why I think they kind of had to water his style down a little bit uh, just to bring him over but I mean there was enough people who knew who he was yeah and you know attaching him to Chris Tucker who was big at the time and it worked out. I think he was just coming off of uh, Friday, right? Yeah, and wasn't Fifth Element before that too? You know, I forget what year that. That might have been '95. I can't remember. Speaking of Chris Tucker, you guys have anything to say about his action scenes? I think he does a serviceable job. I mean, he's not a martial yeah, arts. Yeah, he, he just has like those big dramatic swings, which I do like. That uh, I like the contrasts. Like uh, in a re- he, in a real fight with the martial artist, he probably get his ass handed to him. Yeah, but he will talk his way out of it. <laughs> He'll talk his way. He's got the, the the police knowledge, you know, yeah. the, that street knowledge. He is a he is a big dude. I mean, I'll give him that. 
By the way, nothing screams 90s more than super baggy men's suits, man. <laughs> I could not stop staring at the, like, how baggy that With suit the was. the white tie. Yeah, I'm just like, wow, this is, that's how I was like, because I, at, when I was first watching it, I was like, I can't, I can't tell what date this movie's from, but then I'm like, oh, this is a 90s movie. All right, so let's move on to, uh, I guess let's, let's just talk about what do you guys think are the funniest moments in this movie? We talked about a little bit about them, but uh, any other standouts that we didn't talk about? I mean, there's a couple iconic scenes we haven't mentioned yet. Right. Well, I think, just generally speaking, the comedy between Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker's characters, I think it's so unique because you have these two different cultures and none of them are what you normally see on in the big screen. As and they're we, really good yeah. at the back and forth. Yeah. I think it's unique enough and it's they do a, such a good job of it. Well, it's funny that uh, the, you know, the iconic part where Lee arrives and uh, Carter is saying, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Apparently, that was based on the first real life meeting between uh, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan, where Jackie Chan did not understand what Chris Tucker was saying <laughs> and, sa- and was saying, I don't understand the words that are coming out of his mouth. <laughs> so I mean, if you if you look at if you know those little tidbits, that actually makes the movie. So fun. I didn't know that until after I watched the movie. So that is that like that was one of the parts where I was like, oh my god, Carter's so annoying. But I can see they did that because it's the inside joke. So I can appreciate that. Yeah, that's probably the most quotable line too. Yeah, I mean, there are there are I can't like a lot of it is not quotable because a lot of it's rapid fire. So it's so like. I can't, I can barely remember half of the lines, but I just remember laughing and chuckling throughout, which if anybody knows me and how I am with movies and show, I'm like, like I'm kind of a stickler and I'm not, I'm kind of, it's hard to get my uh, full appreciation. If I'm like not sold on something, I'll be like, this is stupid and I'll stop laughing completely. So the fact that I'm laughing throughout this movie tells you that I was enjoying it despite my complaints so far. Anything else to say about the comedy in this movie, guys? Eric, I'm I'm curious because it's uh, I'm getting the idea that it wasn't your favorite movie, obviously. Part of the problem is I've seen it like because it used to be on TV literally all the time. I've seen it so many times that it just wears off after a while. I Maybe that, you know what actually, I mean. Actually, yeah, I probably enjoyed it more than uh, I would have if I'd seen it more because a lot of the jokes were fresh. You know what though? You know what's interesting about the thinking about the leads here is that you. Besides the follow-up rush hours, is that you haven't had that combo really of the in, two actors in, or the of Asian and black? I mean, uh, right, that uh, of, of an Asian and black actor as your lead, and so the fact that they did that at, at that time, I think it was very it was a groundbreaking thing, and I I appreciate that even though it wasn't as fleshed out as I appreciate it, and I also really like the fact that they don't like. Yeah, you have the what Eric was saying earlier. They have the cultural jokes, but they don't like. There's not. There's you know. At one point, Carter says like, "You don't touch a black man's radio," but they barely make it about like I'm black and you're Asian. It's more about we're different and let's and we're so different. It's never like it never feels like he, either heavy handed about oh look at look at what, how momentous this is. Look at where we're doing. It's it feels much more at least natural to me, and I I appreciate that because I don't like. I usually don't like heavy-handed things, so I feel I appreciate that they had the you know these two uh, different cultured actors as your main stars, but they don't like they don't overdo it with oh look at us look at what we're doing here. It's more just let the let the actors play off each other. You know what's interesting is that uh, 
Chris Tucker's character, I, he does make a few what you would maybe call racist comments, like saying that Jackie Chan's from Japan yeah. or whatever. Uh, or like when they're at the Grauman's Theater in LA, is like, oh, you might recognize yeah. this. It's like those those little subtle, like racist but naive type of sayings that I'm there. He's not the only one in this country that'll think that way. And and so like they don't make a big deal about yeah. it, but they insert it there. But then, you know, Jackie's right there, and he's getting the laugh out of the audience. Yeah. But I think it's so almost so like real, like it's oh yeah, you know. That is that that is kind of offensive, and but we're seeing the other side of it with Jackie's character. We're we're seeing his character. Like it's not one sided. It's you're not getting right, you're not, right, not one. Not getting one joke, and then no one to play it, like to balance it out at all. Which would have been you know if or, it was or, just again, it's the, it's the it's the two different cultures coming together. They're not making fun of Chinese culture. That's that's not where this movie went, and it's just the fact that these are two different cultures coming together. And just sort of poking fun at each other, but in a, you know, like a nice way. Yeah. 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 You ever watch Russell Peters, yes. by the way? Like his, his I have, but it's comedies. been like decades or a decade. Right. But his early stuff, like in the late 90s, yeah. early 2000s, it's almost kind of like that where you're sort of poking fun of yourself or, or like your own little stereotypes and stuff. But what, what I thought was interesting was I heard that Jackie Chan does not like Rush Hour, though. He thought he doesn't like the action, which probably plays. Like the reason being what you've been saying, Anthony, all along is just like it's a little bit watered down in this movie is probably the reason for that. But also he didn't understand. He doesn't get like the American humor, or at least he didn't when when doing the movie. So I, I, think mean, it's, I mean, the thing is, this this movie is groundbreaking in that it, it made Jackie Chan a star in America. Right. He was already a star in Asia. And this made him a star in America. So it's groundbreaking in that aspect. But it is not the best Jackie Chan. Oh, certainly not. Man, I can't wait to. I can't wait. So, uh, police stories. Would I you recommend I watch Anthony? Police story is a good one. Uh, if you want, if you want one in the U.S., watch *Rumble in the Bronx*. I don't even know if it was filmed here, but *Super Cop*. Watch *Drunken Master*. That's like one of his first. One and two. Yeah, *Drunken Master* one is great. Two, they what made about *Rush Hour* three. So, <laughs> the *Rush Hour* series gets uh, progressively worse. Like, if if you find it. Che- like some parts cheesy, it gets even cheesier. You know, did you guys see the? Did you guys see the Foreigner? I I like that one. I didn't see that one. That's actually him acting like a, a serious actor, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's much more. It's not his typical movie. It's much more serious, and I I enjoyed it. This that's probably one of my biases. Is usually I go towards more serious movies anyway. Like I will always choose a drama that makes me cry over the comedy that makes me laugh. I, don't know, I'm, I guess I'm a sad clown. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm going to mention one thing about the comedy. You guys brought this up in the, well, you guys have both brought this up on this podcast, like at different episodes, but annoying, precocious children. Oh man, Sue Young. <laughs> ah, every scene with her in it, I hated Aww. every scene, man. She's not in that when many she's though. Singing, thank God. <laughs> when she's, when she's singing, like, I'm like, oh my God, this is what this is going to be. And thankfully she got kidnapped right after that. <laughs> she didn't get As a father though. to a new, what? Yeah, she didn't get gagged. And then like the whole thing with her and Chris Tucker and she's like, what are you doing? And then he's like, he's saying like, yeah, yeah, shoot me. And then she's like, yeah, come on, shoot. She, she was pulling an Ellis. <laughs> she was pulling an Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, Hans, booby. No, Juntao, booby. I'm your white knight. <laughs> And then she gets shot in the head. <laughs> and the FBI guy's like, 
You just let her die, man. You just let her die. <laughs> That'd be great. Carter, yeah, Carter's pulling glass out of his feet. And then he's talking to Jackie Chan, who's outside of the building. And Jackie Chan's like, I shot a kid. <laughs> like, and like, like, what the hell is going on? Man, I don't know. We're going too far into this. We could just, why just listen to our Die Hard episode and replace uh, McLean and Al with Carter and Lee and then uh, imagine it from there. But um, anything about like uh, the production, direction that we haven't talked about, music or sound effects or special effects? I, there wasn't really much in the way of special effects at that explosion. Uh, what I. Yeah. Uh, what the finale where Jackie Chan lands on that yeah. giant uh, what do you call that? The flag, I guess. I guess yeah. so. banner. Banner, the yeah, banner, it's a banner. The giant banner. That scene is incredible. Yes, that is it's awesome. It's unfortunate that the rest of Jackie Chan's uh, typical action wasn't fleshed out in the movie because, like, you you normally build to that giant ending, and you didn't really yeah. get that build. It felt like an isolated great moment, but like the rest of the climax was pretty dull. The music was kind of cheesy. I don't know what the. I don't, yeah, I don't what think the, the music was memorable. Like it's not even. The music was ter- Music was bad. I you, like I thought it was genuinely bad. Right, and like it just. If you listen to the instrumentation, the actual, like what it sounds like, it almost sounds like a keyboard playing the music, <laughs> which is it's, it's not a good thing. It's like it sounds like someone pressed a button for the background beat, and I don't know. It just it did. Yeah, it, sounded, it sounded very fake right. and synthetic, synth like uh, very not synthetic, uh, just very artificial. Like not like a. It felt like you're watching a movie with music dubbed in. Yeah, I could see that too. I mean, it just it, it wasn't a good part of the movie. That's kind of where my biggest problem with the movie is. It's just us, you know. It it works on the level of you know its characters, but it. In terms of how it's made, it's not made very well. Like we talked about Brett Ratner's direction, and I haven't, I've only seen, I think I've only seen two of his other movies, Rush Hour 2 and X Men, uh, I think Last Stand, neither of which I liked that much. But um, like the direction in some of the scenes, like uh, in the big alley chase where he's, uh, where Lee is chasing Son through the alleys. That was cool on the set chase, though. You th- oh, I was just gonna say it's weirdly shot from below where you can't you don't get a good you can't see what's actually happening. So it looks it just looks like dark shapes like moving up and down. Like I'm like this had to have been able you had to have been able to film this a little bit better. <laughs> it felt very rushed, rushed. Like was shot in an hour. Like was rushed in an hour. I almost wonder <laughs> was this one. a low was this um, <laughs> a low budget movie or or was it like a mega budget budget blockbuster? So the budget was thirty three around thirty three million, and it made two hundred forty four million in the box office. I don't think thirty three million is a. I mean, this is nineteen ninety eight numbers. I think it was probably a mid budget movie, but it feels like a low budget movie. I think it probably a lot of the budget went towards maybe Jackie Chan's salary actually. And Chris Tucker was Chris Tucker big at this time? I think by yeah by that time he was. Yeah, he he was coming off of Friday and uh, the Fifth Element. Okay, and. For a person who uh, hosts a podcast about movies, I have very little knowledge about movies that I haven't seen. <laughs> but uh, so I guess that's that's enough about uh, direction and all and music and all that stuff. Let's move on to our nitpicks, which we've already done a lot of nitpicks. But uh, any other nitpicks that are jump jumping out to you? Yeah, I mean, my biggest one is that that it's it doesn't do Jackie Chan justice 
but it does enough to introduce him to those who don't know who he is. They, they should have had like Steven Seagal or someone play Jun Tao, and then there could be a big fight at the end. Could have been cool, actually. Actually, that would have been cool, but then I feel like it would have overshadowed Jackie Chan if you brought in Steven Seagal. Not, not when Jackie Chan wins the fight. No, no, no. Like having Steven Seagal in the movie. But, but this could be this this could be like executive decision where you bill it as a Kurt Russell movie. And he oh, but Kurt Russell is already movie. big, so Jackie Chan's trying to make his inroads into the into Hollywood, and you bring in bring in Steven Jet Seagal, Lee or someone. someone who is like you know on the rise at that time. I mean, I, I guess. I, I guess he could have just fought Ken Lung. They had him right there right, exactly. and like could have just done that. And it was just a missed opportunity, but that's all right. So let's do our final thoughts and we'll start with me. So, so rush hour is not one of my favorite movies. It's not even, it's not like the style of movie that I really, you know, I really go for but that said, I was not bored whatsoever. It moved at a fast pace. I watched it twice. I found characters Annoying. I found some of the motivations to be wholly unde- undeveloped, almost purposely undeveloped, and I, you know, I found the plot to be non-existent. With all that said, the character interactions between Carter and Lee, the banter, the rapport, the, you know, what when we could see the action scenes, the action scenes, they, you know, they all worked together pretty well for me. Like, you know, main villain was predictable, but. You know, it's not it's not the goal of this movie. The goal of this movie is to bring these guys together and and really and to just have a good time. And like I, like we said earlier, they're clearly having a blast making this movie. So I give this movie a sixty eight out of a hundred. That's you know that's enjoyable. It's not it's, it's right below my good threshold, but it's 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 uh fairly good. All right, I'll I'll go next. So okay, I I think we've been a little harsh on this movie. Um, when you look at it through the lens of a, a movie critic, which none of us really are, but we're pretending to be, um, this is not a great movie. That being said, it's a very fun movie. It's, it's enjoyable. If you haven't seen it before, you should watch it. You will laugh. You will have a good time. I think that's all you really want from a movie at the end of the day. Look, it's, it's a great introduction to Jackie Chan. There's better Jackie Chan movies if you really want to get into him, but it's a great introduction to him. The uh, interaction between him and Chris Tucker is great. I- I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. I think it's um, definitely if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a must see. You will you'll, you'll get a few good laughs out of it. All right, Anthony, bring us home. Yeah, you're not going to see explosions. A-, a lot of explosions. Yeah, what the hell? We saw an explosion in one of the first scenes, man. You're not going to see a lot of explosions. I-, I honestly think that was just for the trailer. Really? That's the only reason they put that. Between scene the in. three of us, there's an ex- there's an explosion of misinformation <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> you're not going to see uh, your typical Jackie Chan movie and you're not going to see your like Michael Bay style action movie. But what I really like about the movie is the interaction between Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. And I think they play off each other so well. Like Eric says, a fun movie. You know they're having fun. And because of that, it brings you in. It makes you have fun as well with them throughout the movie. The plot, it's not really there. No big deal. That's not what it's about. And uh, as Eric also said, that it's it's sort of like a great introductory to Jackie Chan, uh, his style. And hopefully you'll watch other movies from Jackie Chan and realize, oh, this is, this is what Jackie Chan actually is. And honestly, if it wasn't for this movie, none of us, we may not know about those other Jackie yeah. Chan movies. They're going to say none of us would be alive. <laughs> wow, that's deep. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think also, lastly, I think just having two minority leads, uh, one of them being uh, East Asian, is a groundbreaking thing. It is. It makes a viewer like me, who is of Southeast Asian descent, uh, proud to see someone who uh, uh, who kind of looks like me on the big screen, and someone that I've also always enjoyed. It, it, it's a proud moment. It uh, so that it, it sort of is a little deeper for me, at least when I watch yeah. it. And um, yeah, I I enjoy it. I obviously don't think it's a uh, uh, great movie by any means it's not going to win any awards uh, and I wish there could have been more action more Jackie Chan scenes but overall you know it's one of my one of those movies that I'm like it's on TV for like the 10th time this week as Eric likes to complain about and sometimes I might just turn it on just to you know get a laugh or two I would rate it a 76 out of 100 so I'm the only one on the ten points. Am I the only one yes. on the ten point scale? I think so. You know what? I want. I want to change my uh, rating. I'm going to give it a point seven out of one. <laughs> uh, at least Eric got the math right there. <laughs> but uh, you guys both made a good point that I forgot. Like this is like the perfect movie to have on in the background, like while doing something else. Like it's not something you know. You don't need to like pay attention to like you know too deeply or anything. It's just have it on the background, laugh while you're cooking, and you know it's just a good time. It's never. It's that you're not going to be harmed by watching it. It's like you, you missed something in the plot. You could sure. yeah. the rest of the movie. Yeah. Also, I'm sure I'm sure I said this before, but if if I was doing this review in like 1998, 1999, I probably. Eric, I find it higher. offensive that you keep saying we're not film critics. I am a critic, just because I'm not paid for it. I I am extremely critical of movies. I, I'm just I'm just some guy. <laughs> <I do podcasts. laughs> uh, uh, nice. Don't listen to him, <laughs> listeners. He's actually a dear friend of mine. We have we have a much deeper connection than being some guy on my I podcast. Know, not from what he's been telling me. <laughs> These guys are lying. I do not yeah, know. Another case of human trafficking. <laughs> We're going to kidnap you to be a host yeah. on our podcast. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say one thing. This movie reminded me in terms of like how they aim for a very specific thing, like you know, bringing together Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker and just letting that play off. Reminds me of like. The, this is like the comedy version or the buddy cop version of Taken. Like Taken is solely to watch Liam Neeson have like, a sh- not a shallow, but just like a simple action movie. And like, there's no frills to it. It's just that. I'm, I'm going to bring up uh, John Wick again Actually, yeah. I haven't before. There, there's no plot. Hey, come movie. on, he kills dog. <laughs> oh, no. Also, did you see John Wick 2 or John Wick 3? There's massive amounts of plot in those movies. Like, and actually, if the first one has a huge mythology in the background that's like, it's just not like highlighted too much, but there's actually a big overarching plot that's going on. It's not like deep or anything, but it's like it's nothing like Rush Hour's plot. Watch the second. <laughs> Maybe I watch the second and third one. I mean, you might not enjoy them, but I. It's not like uh, I find it offensive that you say the plot is like Rush Hour's. But uh, <laughs> so uh, so that's Rush Hour, guys. Uh, this has been another fun discussion, I guess, or at least we faked it really well. You right? sound it. I, I, I was going to say, I was really tired coming to this podcast, but looking at myself in the Zoom, like uh, the, the camera view of me, my eyes are like beaming right now. So yeah. I'm really wow, into this. Wow, look at you. I know, I'm, I'm so dreamy. So energy. But uh, yeah, and now it's off to raise my child again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, until next time though, guys, uh, 
what what have we been doing here? Wait, no, that's not how I ask it. Okay. Well, I, I, I am tired. What has this been? <laughs> oh, a pointless, pointless rewind. rewind.